This is Making Stitches and this time we're taking a plunge into the colourful world of hand embroidery with Claire Albans from Hello Hooray blog, who one year ago this month expanded from an online shop to a real bricks and mortar shop and studio thanks to a community Kickstarter campaign. It's that connection and I think particularly after the pandemic, you know, just being able to to rebuild connections and do that through something creative is really, really important. And so that's what this space has always been about. It isn't just about the shop, you know, it's about teaching and community. It's about people and creativity. And and that's why it was so important to me. And I'm just so grateful that people kind of saw saw that in the in the Kickstarter project and, and wanted to support it. Hello and welcome to Making Stitches. I'm Lindsay and I'm thrilled to be able to share another creative chat with you. Thank you to everyone for all the positive feedback from last time's Crochetastic episode with Hannah Cross from Hanjan Crochet and Amanda Bloom from The Little Box of Crochet. I really enjoyed recording that episode and it seems that you enjoyed listening to it too. It's such a privilege to be able to reach out to inspiring makers and learn about their crafts, their stories and their struggles along the way. Crafting and being a small business owner can be a rather lonely endeavour, as can be podcasting for that matter. But as you will hear from today's maker's story, the key is to never give up. Life can throw you unexpected changes and challenges over time, but if you dust yourself down and focus on your creativity, you never know where it might lead. My guest for today's episode is hand embroidery artist Claire Albans from Hello Hooray blog. Claire turned to embroidery after starting a family and filled a hole in her life which was left when she walked away from a career in music. Since then she's published a book on embroidery and is now working on a second and has turned her passion for colour and stitching into a business. She also has a bricks and mortar shop and studio in the northeast of England, thanks to a community funded Kickstarter campaign last year. Here's my chat with Claire now. First of all, Claire, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on to Making Stitches. It's lovely to have you join me. I've been admiring your beautiful, colourful samplers and your, your work and your pictures on Instagram are just gorgeous. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for your kind words. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Oh, fabulous. So can I just take you back to the beginning um, and, and find out a little bit about your childhood? And were you creative from the word go? Yes, I was. But actually, um, it wasn't with sewing and things and drawing. I was actually absolutely obsessed with music. Um, so it all started with uh, taping songs off the radio. <laughs> originally I grew up in the 90s so um if you don't know what a cassette tape is sorry I probably sound really old now um but then I started playing recorder and what I really really wanted to do was play the violin um and my mum always said that when I was about three I saw Nigel Kennedy playing on the telly and I was like I want to do that and then when I was at primary school I got the chance to so it was all about music for me um you know kind of like playing in little orchestras when I was growing up and then uh yeah just kind of worked through grades and things and he was just so passionate about it and I was absolutely desperate to play in an orchestra that's really what I wanted to do and I went to college uh, I went to Leeds College of Music um thinking that that's what I would do 
uh, and um, did my degree. That's how I ended up in Newcastle. <laughs> um, so I'm grateful for everything that I learned from, um, you know, kind of working on that for a really long period of time. I think music and lots of the art subjects in schools um, are kind of seen as, you know, not academic subjects or actually the transferable skills and all of the things you learn from committing to something and working on that, which we all do, whatever your creative passion is, it takes work and commitment and dedication. And we all show that in a variety of different ways. And I think that gets lost in, in education, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so I did a degree, um, had a teaching job up here and then got into sewing as a sort of side thing from that because you know when when uh, your passion is your job sometimes you need something else then don't you because it was just music was my life basically um for a really really long time and then uh, you know coming to terms with actually not teaching anymore not being a music teacher and not really playing anymore um which sort of happened over a, a gradual period of time I left my first teaching job which I loved left it for various different reasons and it just sort of gradually fell out of love with it which kind of sort of hit me like a train really <laughs> it's probably the best way to say it and I think I think for a long time having um, done some CBT now looking back on it I think I was grieving for the fact that I wasn't doing what I loved and what I thought I was going to end up doing um, and it, so it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with that. And now I kind of say I used to play the violin <laughs> a little bit more because I, I, the, the reality is that I don't. I'm doing so many other things now, <laughs> you know, but the beauty of anything creative is that you can always come back to it. You know, I, I will come back to it at some point. I will, you know, hopefully play with an orchestra again and just for fun and stuff. But um, it kind of shifted from being music and now being an embroidery artist who knew <laughs> i certainly didn't guess this was what i was going to end up doing <laughs> oh well the wonders of life we never know where it's going to take us do we i know i know and i think actually just kind of being open to that sometimes it feels a little bit scary you know just kind of dropping everything dropping the thing that i worked on for so long and was so passionate about and i am still passionate about music I'm, i had a period where i, I I wasn't for a little while, but I'm I'm kind of getting that back in as my side thing now, I suppose, but um, not really playing. But yeah, it's just, it's you just end up going down a path that you don't necessarily anticipate. And, but I think in order to, to kind of go with that, you kind of have to embrace the unknown. And that's the tricky thing, isn't it? Kind of really getting your head around this feels new and can I do this and you know but that's why creativity is a brilliant thing you can just if you just allow yourself that freedom to explore it it can take you in so many places that you just didn't think you were going to end up and I love that yeah it's truly wonderful you can disappear down so many different rabbit holes can't you it's just yeah absolutely <laughs> if you're willing to let go and just follow it you you never know where it yeah. might lead yeah. So when did you first pick up a needle then? Oh, well, um, <laughs> I, you know, it's often people start with something small. I, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> we were getting married in 2013 and a lot of it was handmade. And at that point I tried everything. I just, like I used to say, I was kind of like a multi-crafter. 
and actually um my business and my blog is called uh, hello hooray now but it, when i first started it it was called so many crafts so little time because i basically just wanted to try everything <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we were making loads of things for our wedding um partly because we wanted lots of handmade things and partly you know just to kind of do things a little bit more cheaply but um i decided that i would uh, make some waistcoats having never really sewn anything before but i wanted to embellish them a bit i get these big ideas sometimes and then I'm, i just go with them <laughs> so that's um somebody um well my mum and my mother-in-law and one of her friends kind of we all got together and worked out the waistcoat pattern one weekend and <laughs> made, sure, made sure i knew what i was doing and then kind of made the waistcoats and decorated them and uh, my father-in-law actually married us so I made him a, a stall to match and yeah so it's a big project and actually after that I didn't do any for a little while um, I came back to it after our daughter was born in 2016 because I just had this need to do something creative with a newborn which sounds mad doesn't it <laughs> you know, it's very very busy <laughs> when you've got a newborn and you know, when you had your first, it just kind of turns your world upside down. But it just, I think I needed that connection to to me. Yeah, you need something for yourself, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And hand embroidery was just perfect because you can literally just drop it mid-stitch and come back to it, whether that's an hour later, a month later, whatever. You know, and I'm not, I'm not very good at counting. I'm perfectly happy to admit that. <laughs> So anything like cross stitch or knitting or anything, I'm just like, I can't work out where I am. But hand embroidery is literally just look at it and carry on. And it just fitted in perfectly. And so I started actually designing my own things. A friend had her little girl a couple of days after our daughter was born and I made something for her. And it just it just kind of grew from there, really. And it, yeah, it, it's just something that I wasn't expecting. But I love just the freedom of being able to doodle something and then make it permanent through stitching and you know really take your time over it and for me it's always been about not just the finished product it's about the process you know the I've got a studio here in Newcastle now and then um, my friend Daria designed a mural it's got a phrase that's really special to both of us is take time out to be creative and that's what it's about it's the process is just so important to me um, and that's what I found with hand embroidery and that's where my love for it grew really yeah I can I can see where you're coming from so many of my guests on making stitches it's it's the journey it's the getting to the finished item almost that's superfluous really it's the actual (laughs) process of, of of creating something with your hands and then the benefit that it has on your mental health and and everything it's so so important isn't it yeah absolutely and you know there are days where you know, craft doesn't fix it. You know, it's not, I'm not saying it's a permanent solution, but, you know, just that process that it really slows you down. You're just focusing on that one stitch at a time. And I always like to stitch um, like positive words and phrases. And, you know, I use a lot of colour in my work because that's something that makes me feel good. Um, And hopefully it does when other people stitch my designs too, because it's just, it's all part of it, isn't it? And just, put the kettle on make yourself a cuppa <laughs> get comfy and uh, just even if it's 10 minutes tell that 10 minutes of time is just it's like a reset absolutely yeah it's so important just to take that little moment in the day out for yourself yeah. isn't it yeah 
Now, I noticed on your blog that you went to Blogtacular back in 2015. I mean, you mentioned your dates just now, but I mean, you've yeah. been in the kind of online, you've had an online presence for, for quite a long while, haven't you? Mm. How, how has that helped you with your the direction that your life has taken since yeah, that's a really good music. question. I like that question. Um, I, do you know, I've, so I started my blog originally in like 2012. So, and it was because my friend Daria, who, um, my lovely friend Daria, who uh, designed my mural, um, you know, she, we worked together actually. And she was like, you, you should just blog about this. And I was like, nobody's going to want to read about all the random things that I've made, you know, and it's, there's recipes on there and there's all kinds of things. And, you know, she's like, no, you know, you should do it. Go for it, go for it. And so I did, and people read it, and <laughs> I think at first you're like, ooh, and you know, and then you get to meet lots of people, and you like what they're reading, and you, the community, you know, it was pre-Instagram, I guess, and social media as we know it now, you know, um, blogs was a really great place to start, and I think it just gave me the freedom to to try things and, you know, share them and not really not really worry about if everything's perfect I've always been you know really really open about the fact that the creative process is messy and you don't always get things right the first time and I've always wanted my my space online whether that's on my blog or Instagram or wherever to just kind of reflect that you know we we're so used to seeing everything perfect and it isn't always like that um, one of my one of my favorite examples of this is that I once made a cheesecake. Obviously, this is not sound related. I once <laughs> made a, a cheesecake and it wasn't quite cooked enough, so the pictures on it are awful. It looks like a brie that's just kind of collapsed, <laughs> you know. But I was like, well, it tasted amazing. It looked awful, but you know, this is how it is. This is real life. Um, so that's always that's always been important for me, and it just gave me that space to do that. And you know, at that point, I didn't you know hadn't really tried hand embroidery um I just wanted to be free to experiment and I didn't even I wasn't even selling anything at that point either I didn't I knew I wanted to do something I think that's the feeling that I've always had I knew I wanted to do something I didn't know what it was for a really really long time and actually for a lot of people that is normal I think we see people who've just done this one thing forever and you know they're amazing at it and that there are people like that and they are to be celebrated as well but we also need to celebrate the people who are sort of fumbling around in the dark and just trying different things and experimenting and thinking I have I, you know I want to do something and I don't know what it is and that's okay you just sit with that feeling for a while and and keep exploring and that thing will find you it will if you keep going and you keep creating it will find you Absolutely. It can take years, but you might get there yes. in the end and it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, it is worth it when you're like, yes, this is the one. <laughs> so at what stage then? I mean, obviously you mentioned that you took up the sewing once you'd had your daughter. At what stage did it then move into something more than just that little moment in the day for yourself? Um, so I went back to work, was it must have been 2017. <clears throat> And basically, I really didn't want to go back to work. At that point, I was like, how how can I make this work? Um, you know, and I, so I started um, designing more patterns and things. At that point, I'd opened, I opened an Etsy shop that year, I think, and just thought, right, I'm going to go for it, but it needs to be 
a definite side hustle at the minute. I just felt I can't, as much as I'd love to quit my job, I can't quit my job. You know, you've got to, you kind of got to get all your ducks in a row, really, haven't you, before you make that leap? Because it's terrifying. Um, you know, it is leaving your job to kind of start something that you're trying to build yourself is scary. It was scary. It's still scary. Imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just kind of, I was just kind of building up and then I designed um, my first kit and then in 20, 2018 um, I got an email out of the blue um, to say hi um, my editor's name is Catherine but she's uh, Catherine said just uh, emailing I know this is a bit out of the blue I'm working with a publisher we are looking to um, you know work with some new authors on a book would you be interested in pitching and I was just like I remember going home and just crying in the kitchen because I was like this doesn't this doesn't happen to people like me and it basically turned out that somebody had seen my stuff on Instagram that I'd been sharing you know and I, I had about don't even think I quite had a thousand followers at that point but somebody had seen it and put my name forward and the rest is history, I guess. Then my first book came out in 2020. So, um, yeah, that was unexpected and amazing. And I always remind myself that, you know, sometimes you feel like you're making things and you're putting things out there and, and nothing's happening, but sometimes everything just comes together at the right moment and it, it takes time. You know, like I said, it's 2012 when I started blogging it took a long time for things to come together but if you keep working and you keep believing in you know and, and just try to believe in what you're doing I guess which is hard sometimes it's it's easier said than done isn't it Absolutely. <laughs> are, you know you're you're a creative person as well and you know lots of people listening to this will be thinking yep we have days where that's really tricky and yeah whatever stage you're at you will still have days like that but it just kind of came together and I'm still amazed because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just I, mainly a mum, <laughs> you know, and it was, yeah, it was just really surreal. But oh, awesome. Do you know what? I get told off for saying that. That's the first thing I say when people say, what do you do? It's like, I'm a mum. And then it's like, but surely you do other things too. And it's like, well, yeah, I do this, this, this and this. And it's like, yeah. I don't know how I fit it all in, but I do. But yeah, you've got to keep plugging away, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Because you never know when that moment might come. And it's quite hard sometimes when you feel like you're, it's just me on my own and I'll just keep making yeah. and putting stuff out there and maybe one day something will happen. You yeah. never know, do you? If you were to give up, it might have been the next day. That magic exactly and it's around. I always think I would rather have a go and it not work than not know if I hadn't just gone for it I think that's that feels worse for me personally yeah. always rather give it a go even if it doesn't quite work out and what was it like then putting all your ideas into a book um was it an awful lot of work for you yeah it's I mean it's an interesting process and I learned loads um I mean I'm the team that I worked with are amazing. So Catherine, my editor, used to edit Molly Makes. Um, and so the team that she was working with as well, it was just really, really interesting um, to see it all come together. And, you know, you don't know how long these things are going to take or anything like that. So I, I started with a couple of my favourite designs um, that I'd already um, shared because I thought, 
I get asked about these all the time. It would be nice to kind of um, put, include those because they were quite special to me. So they've got a little good vibes hoop and that was one of the first things I ever designed. And so it was important for me to put that in there. Um, and then it just kind of grew from there. I think all of my ideas kind of sort of grow fairly organically. I'm not amazing at doodling. Um, I tend to do lots of like little sort of doodles on the computer rather than um, actually with pen and pencil because I've, I've, I'm less judgmental about myself. That's really weird, isn't it? <laughs> Although I have to say, having kids, they're always like, mommy, your picture's amazing. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> yeah, you'll take that phrase. <laughs> um, you know, so I kind of like play around, but often for me, it's like colours and textures and patterns. That's a huge inspiration in nature and, you know, so I found that once I started designing a few new things, it, the ideas kind of just kept coming. And I realised that that is a really lucky position to be in because there are other times where it's really not like that. And actually, after I'd finished my book, I was like, I'm never going to have another idea again. You know, it. <laughs> I, I was lucky that it hit on the right time and I was able to work on that. And uh, also had uh, another baby at the same at that point after I'd kind of finished it all off and everything as well so it was a busy time I can um, imagine blimey but yeah so um <laughs> one thing uh, the main thing that I did learn is that um you know it's it's okay to kind of make mistakes and stuff with it so basically when I got the email about the book I was not in a good place mentally I think actually I was probably at my lowest point I felt really really stuck in my previous job and it wasn't doing me any good at all um you know and I, re I remember emailing Catherine and uh looking at emails and what I actually needed to do and, and things like that and basically to cut a long story short I was meant to take step-by-step -step photos of everything but I completely misread the email so this was about like a year and a half later like realizing I didn't have enough step-by-step -step photos I've never actually told anybody this. Well, I've told a few close friends, but I've never been massively open about this. So this is it. This is, <laughs> this is me bearing all <laughs> on making stitches today. Um, so yeah, so when it came to them, basically I took all the step-by-step -step photos, or didn't at first, um, and they were doing the like the cover shots and the, the main shots in the book. Um, and basically there weren't enough step-by-step -step photos and I was absolutely mortified I remember just ringing Catherine up, crying, going, I'm so sorry, this isn't me. Like, I am, anybody who knows me knows I'm super organised, I'm really meticulous. That is just how I am. And I just, I felt really embarrassed, actually, because I was just thinking, how do I deal with this fact that I am writing a book and I've completely, I, you know, it was just, I was just in a really bad place and I misread it and I'd got the wrong thing into my head and they were amazing about it so uh when my son was about five months old I spent the summer mocking things up <laughs> and if you have a look at my book you can't tell unless you know <laughs> that most of the step-by-step -step photos were me doing little bits of a project and then pretending and and but you know initially I was mortified it you know had a cup of tea took a deep breath had a chat and it's fine. We make mistakes, That's human you know, and nature. I'm much better at dealing with that now. Mm. Um, but at the time, it was like the worst thing ever. 
uh, but it was all fine in the end. So um, I've just started writing my second book, actually, and I'm taking photos of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> it was all a learning process then, wasn't it? And it is. It is a learning process. And you know, you can beat yourself up about it. And believe me, I really did beat myself up about it. But you're like, it's fine. There's plenty of time. They've still got time to sort everything out. And, you know, so... There we go. That was my little uh, <laughs> revelation for today. My first book, I, I, I mean, I'd hardly taken any. I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but um, yeah, these things happen, don't they? And you learn from it and you move on and you're not going to make that mistake again. And that's cool. Well, it couldn't have been that bad, though, could it? Because you're on book number two. That's wonderful. I'm on book number two. Yeah, I, it obviously didn't bother them that much. Um, so that was good. It was There was plenty of time. And, you know, actually, the time that it takes to, you know, you obviously... So what I did was I said, I think I'm going to be able to write my book in this length of time. And then, you know, um, it gets all submitted and everything. And then there's the editing stage and you're going backwards and forwards for quite a long time about sorting things out so the the whole process was such a long process that there was time to do that anyway so um it was fine um so yeah. what's the time scale <laughs> always read your emails carefully people In, well yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's your time scale going forwards then for book two when can we expect to see it available Ooh, i'm not sure about publication date but um i am aiming to submit at the end of january next year so 2023 how exciting which feels like it should be ages away, does it? I feel like with the pandemic, I'm like, are we not, like, is it not still 2021? No, okay, 2022. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know whether that's um, optimistic uh, with everything else that's going on, but um, I've started and it, it's going well so far. So, yeah, it's exciting. Oh, so that's it's brilliant. A, just a real joy to be working with them again. So my publisher is White Owl and, yeah, fantastic team. Oh, that's super. Well, uh, going back to, to last year, that was a pretty big year for you as well, wasn't it? I mean, you you had your Kickstarter campaign to open your workshop where you're sitting now. And yes. you did your, was it the Happy Stitch project? Ah, uh, yeah. So well, um, the Happy the Stitch project, remember I said earlier that um, after I wrote my first book, I felt like I might never have another idea again. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of born out of that a bit, really. Um, I just felt really stuck kind of creatively but I over the years I've kind of noticed a pattern is that if I feel stuck the thing that gets me out of it is learning something new um you know because that just kind of that really sparks ideas and often with embroidery it's because you know I learn a new stitch and it's like a new texture or a new pattern or something that I can use and I think oh that that'd work really nicely so um for my first book I only actually um used about five or six different stitches the reason for that is because they were the only ones that I knew, um, which it just shows you how versatile embroidery is. It's not how many stitches you know, it's what you do with them, basically. <clears throat> um, so I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn some new stitches and I'm going to share them every week and I'm going to be really, really honest about the process of learning them. Um, so what I did was I decided that I would... Um, basically teach a new stitch every week for the whole of 2021 um and yeah I actually did it because <laughs> a year a year-long challenge I've never done that before um it's a big undertaking mm. and a lot of the time I was like recording the audio the night before because I used to release it every Friday 
um, and it was fabulous. And I've got to know so many stitchers through that and, you know, had really lovely feedback about, you know, people joining in or people finding it later on. And um, I'm actually running it again just through my website. It's, I mean, it's, it's a free course. I decided to keep it free because I just thought I want to give something back to the community that's given me so much. Um, so, yes, it, uh, it's, I'm basically trying to upload the st- stitches every week in case anybody wants to follow it. But you can come back to it at any time. So um, you can just um, sign up for the course and access it whenever you want. And you can either stitch a lovely sampler design, which was actually designed by my lovely friend, Helen, uh, from Unicorn Factory UK, who I got to know through the project. And she was like, I'm going to do the sampler. And I was like, that's amazing. Do you mind if I like let people have it as well and she's like yeah so she made the pdf and that's all there and so you can either learn um stitches through that or you can stitch different projects and it's really really is a kind of take what you need and leave the rest kind of thing so you don't there's no pressure um i'm really honest about how i felt about all the stitches so herringbone is still my nemesis that and uh some of the knots Um, but you know it opened up a lot of conversation about it because I think some some things that often people say well these are the basic ones you know you know if you think about herringbone stitches essentially just a load of straight stitches arranged in a a nice pattern isn't it but I just couldn't I don't know it just sometimes when I do it now I'm I'm much better at it because I've had more practice but when I first did it I was like what is this (laughs) you know whereas it's considered to be not hugely difficult whereas some and you know I think what what it made me think about and what the conversations were that came out of it is that you know we're all different you know and just to kind of be kind to yourself and just give it a go and don't worry if you can't do it the first time Danish knots were another one that was there was a lot of discussion about Danish knots and some people like I never want to do these again and I'm like that's okay (laughs) really just decide you're never going to do a Danish knot again in your life that's absolutely fine <laughs> oh dear I know where you're coming from certainly I I have an issue with the big bobbles in crochet that's uh, when mm. I'm following a pattern and I think I come up to a row of bobbles and it's like they're so time consuming they look fantastic when they work <laughs> yeah <laughs> but sometimes you just have a, there's certain things you have a mental block with and it's like you know you're gonna have a struggle <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like we were kind of sort of learning to let go of a few things together and just, again, it's about experimenting, isn't it? And giving yourself space to do that and giving yourself grace to like, I'm not necessarily going to get this the first time or the 10th time. I might never want to do these again, but you know, I've given it a go and that's fine. Absolutely. You've got to try. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So I'll I'll take you on to then your Kickstarter, which was... uh quite yeah. an exciting undertaking oh uh, do you know i was i was a bit terrified about doing it and um i sort of mentioned it to people and they were like yeah you should totally do that this is for for those of you who don't know i have now have a little haberdashery shop at my studio my studio is about 10 minutes away from where i live so it's fabulous for fitting in um around home educating and everything else that's going on and um it's got a lovely bright workshop room and I had this little room that I wanted to turn into the shop. Um, and I was thinking, maybe I should do a Kickstarter. And my friend Amy was like, yeah, you should definitely do a Kickstarter. And a few other friends as well. Um, like, just do it. But, I mean, it, that was a complete unknown for me. I think, um, you know, kind of growing up, it was like, 
in terms of money and things like working and saving up to be able to do that so asking people for money and asking people to support this thing if they could like it I don't know it took me a while to get my head around that and uh, it was a big learning curve kind of actually getting just like using the, the platform and thinking about how it would work and things and I decided um I would, that I wasn't going to complicate matters with stretch goals I was just going to have a few different rewards and things um, so yeah, so we launched it on, I think it was about six o'clock on the Friday evening and I went upstairs for the little ones to bed and I'd set myself at just a small target of 500 pounds because I thought, you know, I'd say small, 500 pounds is a lot of money, but you know, to, in comparison to some other ones and things, but I just thought that will get me the shelves at least. And it came back down, I haven't put the kids to bed and that I'd like, I'd, I think I'd had like about a thousand pounds worth of pledges and stuff and it's just I couldn't believe it it was just the support was incredible and lovely messages and you know people sharing it and things and it was just overwhelming it's still overwhelming when I think about it um you know just the support and the love for what I'm doing and my business and you know it just it was just so lovely and I think having been you know had in my previous job, not being in a really good place and not feeling like valued or not feeling like what I was doing was worthwhile or anything like that, to just have those messages meant more than I could actually explain to people. Um, it was it was amazing. It was really good. So we um, so started out with the £500 target and um, by the end had raised just over 5k, wow. which was amazing it was really incredible at the end of a summer holidays as well I was thinking I don't even know if I'm doing this at the right time I don't know I, I just didn't know what I was doing um <clears throat> excuse me but um just went through it anyway and I'm just so grateful and it's been lovely opening the shop like loads of people that were here on opening day we had uh, a big giant balloon arch that one of my friends had made and like people were just like I supported your kickstarter and it's really awesome to see it and you know even this weekend a lady came in saying I couldn't make it but you know I'm here now and it's lovely to see it and it's just oh it's just awesome and yeah it's you know like what we were saying earlier about you you're working towards things sometimes and you don't ever think that this is going to be a dream <laughs> And then, like, I'm here running a little shop two days. I'm only open two days a week at the physical shop. Online's obviously open uh, 24-7. But, um, yeah, it's just it overwhelming and yeah. just so grateful to people for supporting it. Yeah, it must so be so nice. So thank you to nice. everybody who supported it. Oh, it must be so nice to have that reinforced, though, isn't it? The belief that you had in yourself all these years to actually see other people put their money where their mouth is and, yeah. and support you in what yeah, you want and it's, to do. You know, indie businesses work super hard. You know, we, I've, I've, I, I can't remember who said somebody said it on a, a previous podcast. You know, in, indie businesses understand other indie businesses because we all know how hard we work. And it's so true. It's just, you know, we get the kids to bed and you start work at nine o'clock, you know, or, or whatever it is. And we have an appreciation for that. And it's, you know, it's not, obviously, lots, this is my main job now. So, yeah, I am doing it to pay the bills. Um, and it's been a little bit quiet over the last few months. <laughs> so, you know, with uh, Facebook ad changes and Apple changes and everything. But you've got to kind of play the long game, you know, but it's 
it's more than that it's about your passion it's about helping other people and you know it's it's not just about the money and, and job it's about everything else that surrounds that so for me I've, I've lived in this part of Newcastle for ooh, about 11 12 12 years now and I really wanted to be able to use the space like to do something for the community so I've started up like a crafty social event every other week um so you know seeing that build up is really nice and there's a, a lovely lady that came in for a chat she just came into the shop on Saturday and had a nice little chat <laughs> you know for <clears throat> for about half an hour because you know she's she's older and she doesn't have any family anymore and you know it's that kind of thing it's that connection and I think particularly after the pandemic you know just being able to to rebuild connections and do that through something creative is really really important and so that's what this space has always been about it isn't just about the shop you know it's about teaching and community it's about people mm. people and and creativity and and that's why it was so important to me and I'm just so grateful that people kind of saw saw that in the in the kickstarter project and and wanted to support it oh lovely so what are your hopes going forward then uh, well, I, I am only open two days a week at the minute. That's mainly because we home educate. So by choice, no, everyone's like, why? why? <laughs> you must be mad. If I had a pound for every time somebody had said that. <laughs> um, but it's working out well. And, you know, but I would like to open a bit more um, if possible. And I also want to be able to support other creatives. So I'm looking to try and get um, other people to come and run workshops here as well so you know because I, I can't crochet and I can't knit and you know but there are some amazingly talented uh people in the northeast and beyond and it would be nice to just use this space as a, a platform to help them as well um so yeah and just get get people back out and being creative and, and being together again I think you know we've missed that connection haven't we it's Without a doubt. you know you've most most of the interactions I've had have just been with like people at the supermarket and things. But I've realised that I am such a chatty person, <laughs> and that you know I I need that connection as well. So you know, just kind of just like a community space to to grow really. And um, I've signed the I've got the lease for about five years. So I'd like to I'd like to be in a position to be able to extend that. I think um, to be here as a a more longer term thing five years feels like a really long time and it is absolutely terrifying when you sign in the lease <laughs> um that was a really big thing last year so I haven't I haven't quite been here a year yet um it'll be a, a year in April I'm not sure when this is going when this is going out it might be roughly the same time but um yeah that felt huge it felt really grown up and scary <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but it was the next natural step I'd grown out of my craft room at home I couldn't realistically run my business from there and you know so you've got to you've got to take the leap sometimes I think that's what I've learned throughout the whole of this process whether it's a leap that's trying something new or you know something massive um like signing a lease on a studio um but there is there are always going to be some days where I'm like shall I shall I just go and work in middle <laughs> we all have those days <laughs> I know my husband Tom's I was like you can't say that don't say that and I'm like well you know I don't think I would be officially a small business owner unless I have that thought at least three times a week at the moment you know but that's fine it's 
the long game is hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it is um, when you're trying to pay your bills now. Um, but I believe in what I'm doing here. And, you know, I think it would just be really amazing to be here longer term. Oh, well, it sounds like you're doing a brilliant job so far. And Oh, thank you. It, the, the, I mean, obviously, I've never actually visited your, your workshop in person, but the pictures of it look beautiful. The mural and the whole process of watching that grow on the wall oh, through the Instagram yeah. pictures. <laughs> Um, it was it's just beautiful so it looks like such oh, a, an uplifting you. positive little corner of your world mm-hmm. that, that you're yeah. opening up to other people so that's really really lovely and I, I just wish you all the best for the future really it's fabulous oh, thank you so much I really appreciate that What a positive and enthusiastic person Claire is. It's no wonder her business has taken off so well. You can't help but get caught up in her enthusiasm. Thank you again to Claire for speaking to me for making stitches and being so open about your struggles and hiccups along the way. If you'd like to find out more about Claire and Hello Hooray, you can find all her links in the show notes for this episode. Now, like Claire, I'm a one-woman operation, editing and producing Making Stitches podcast. I have no sponsorship or funding to cover the costs incurred in making the podcast. If you'd like to support me with Making Stitches, there are a few ways you could do that. There's a Making Stitches shop on Etsy, which sells podcast merchandise like tote bags, which are perfect for storing your whips and stash. There's also stitch markers and badges, as well as my own Up the Garden Path series of crochet patterns. Money raised through the shop helps me make the podcast. Alternatively, you could buy me a virtual coffee on my Ko-fi page. You could write a review on your podcast app of choice for making stitches or share the podcast on your social media and amongst your friends and family to help spread the word. You can find links to the Making Stitches shop and Kofi page in the show notes too. That's all for this episode of Making Stitches. I'll be back again in two weeks time with another inspiring maker story for you. Next time, it'll be with the crochet and knitting designer, Lynn Rowe from The Wool Nest. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care and enjoy your crafting.